Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I'm going to start with an interesting story I gave a couple of years ago. It was a good foundation for me to express what I feel by the spirit I need to share with you this afternoon. Years ago, I start the working like any other person, you know, you graduate, you start working, you get a good job. And then one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. Quite a lot is happening in my world. I have questions that nobody can answer for me. It was quite a number of things that just did not synchronize with the expectation of my credibility and my positioning uh, at my workplace disturbed me and my house, my family. So one day my father calls me privately. We sat together. He said, my son, I've looked at your life as a banker. I've seen the things that you're doing. And I'm starting to think, has it ever occurred to you that you are dealing with a spirit of slavery? It was the first time ever that somebody ever spoke that way to me or in essence gave that kind of definition to me because I never understood or even uh, could imagine what that would look like. Or if I did, then my understanding of slavery was very myopic. She asked me, do you know you could be dealing with a spirit of slavery? So I asked him why. And he started to give me the reasons why he thought. In my head, I didn't take it. In fact, in my spirit, I was counseling, I counsel in the name of Jesus, by fire, by force, it can't be. I'm here in front of him just saying, ah, okay. So after my separation with him, I go back to my room and the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me very clearly. God spoke very clearly and said, actually, your father was right. I said, what? It was the first time that I understood that somebody can be under a certain form of slavery and they do not know that they are under it. Because you don't need to be poor to be enslaved. You don't need to be jobless to be enslaved. You don't need to be uneducated to be enslaved. I know people who have working jobs, who are running very wonderful contracts, or perhaps which are even millionaire in dollars, but they are slaves, and they do not know that they are slaves. So it took me on a journey to study what is slavery? What are the signs of this thing called slavery? And I want to give you a few to help open your eyes to what I'm trying to share with us this afternoon. Examples of things that you can look into your life and diagnose yourself. For example, if somebody is dealing with a spirit of slavery, that person works way more than the world rewards them. You know, there's a system that God, or there's a law, or laws that God has set in the earth for the world to reward you. You might not know them or know them, but they exist. That is why when Cain kills Abel in Genesis, the Bible tells us, God told him that the earth will not yield forth its substance to you. The earth shall not give thee her strength. So now there's something with the earth that defines how much strength it gives back to you according to the seed that you sow. It will not yield forth her strength to you, you see? And because the earth was not to yield its force, its strength to Cain, every time he would tilt the ground, the ground would not respond to him the way he tills it, by the way he plants on it. So it's possible. And by that consequence, he was to be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, a beggar and a restless man on the earth. Are you following what I'm saying? A fugitive and a beggar, a vagabond on the earth. 
These are all signs of a man which is enslaved, whether they know it or not. People who have a slavery spirit, the world does not yield forth its fruit as it ought to all. You find yourself doing way more than the earth is able to give you. You invest so much and earn little. Some of you at workplaces, they take you six, seven months to pay you. Oh, my boss doesn't want to pay. But you might find that person who is not paying you pays another person earlier. They pay the electricity bill company earlier. They pay the water company earlier. They pay URA earlier, but they don't pay you earlier. Are you following what I'm saying? That's a sign of a person who is enslaved and they do not know. Genesis spoke of vagabonds. People were restless. You never have a place to settle in the earth. Do you know there are people like that? There are people who are 50. 40, they still time. Still time with 50. But there's already a challenge. You're 50, you're 60, you're 70. You have nothing on the face of the earth in your name. Not even a 50 by a 100 plot. Everything you have has been given by another person. Not out of your, you know, sweat, your investment, your time. Your hand can't translate. That's slavery. If you find yourself in circumstances where you're working longer hours than a normal human being should be, chances are that you're dealing with a spirit of slavery. If you're working with a debt that you invested in something and that thing could not translate, but now you're paying off a debt of something that didn't make you wealth or that did not bring profit to you, yet you borrowed for its profit, chances are that maybe you're dealing with slavery as a spirit. You're enslaved because now you're working to pay what did not benefit you. And like I said earlier, some people have now, there are people who I know who literally almost everything they make at the end of the month is paying an old debt. They're making a million shillings. But after that, if you start paying off people, almost 90 or 80% of all your monthly income goes back to pay for somebody whom you borrowed from. You're enslaved. So how can you develop? How can you build? How can you drive? How can you establish things in your life when whatever you're earning is actually made to pay off debts? All of that is a sign of slavery. When you are in a place where you're being forced to work and you have no liberty to say no, you're literally forced to work. There is no will of yours or passion. You are under slavery, whether you know it or not. Doesn't matter how much money they pay you. There are people here, if you lost the job you're doing and they fired you tomorrow morning, everything will come crumbling down. You leave the house you're in because that house was a mortgage, which mortgage was against the salary that you make. And it's even worse if you're a banker because, you know, they cut that interest almost by half. And the day you choose to leave the bank, the interest goes back to, you know, the general lending rate. And some people cannot keep up because they don't have an income. If your manager or somebody fired you tomorrow morning and it means that your children might not be able to go to school, you might not be able you know, to sustain the house you're living in or drive the car that you have. I don't care whether you're making a million dollars every month. You are enslaved. You are enslaved. If you find yourself manipulated to do things that are not in code of your workplace and you cannot say no because if you say no, that is your end. You are enslaved. You're being manipulated every day to fulfill things that are against your conviction. You are enslaved. I could speak on and on and give examples upon examples. But I believe as I'm speaking, some of you are picking something. There's a young woman who one time found herself in a relationship with probably a man who was also married to one or two other women. But you know, you were struggling and you said, ah, let me enter this relationship. Now he's paying fees for the kids you have. He's paying the house you're in. He's paying for the car that you're In fact, he's the one who bought that car, although it's still in his name. You're just its driver. But your peers celebrate you. Eh? Dear so and so. You landed with a D. You landed 
Oh my God. Look at this Range Rover. No, you're a hired driver. You're a hired driver. Wait for the day when you say, I don't want this relationship anymore. Everything will start leaving you. That means you're enslaved, you're tied, and now you're born again. You want to do what's right, but you're thinking, what's the cost of taking back this Benz? <laughs> mm -hmm, apostle, leave me. <laughs> Am I helping somebody? That's enslaved. That's slavery. That's slavery. Somebody's dictating the terms of the house they gave you to live in. They're dictating the terms of the clothes they gave you. I gave you clothes, but this is how you're supposed to wear them. These are your clothes. Are you following what I'm saying? And that goes from individual, community, nation, and it can go up and up and up and up, but I could speak forever. So there are, yes, these are all signs. I could also take some time to talk about the types or kinds of slavery. I'll give you only three because of time. But there's quite a number of them. But I want to give you the most common that you probably could even easily could find in a biblical text. One is forced labor. And this is labor that is exerted on a person under the threat of penalty if that person has not offered himself. So it's not your willingness. It's not your commitment to do this. It's not a voluntary thing. You're being forced to do it. In Egypt, if you remember the story, Pharaoh and these boys say, you know what? Let's hold these Jews because they're becoming mighty and stronger, richer every day. They're growing in number. Let's put labor on them. And that kind of spirit comes with other consequences. In fact, one time I was reading this story from the book of Joshua, because there's an account on this. And you'll see that if you read the book of Joshua, for example, and yes, it's an extra biblical book, but uh, even the Bible quotes the book of Joshua. That's why I study some of these books. But in the book of Joshua, you realize how do they get into bondage? The Egyptians first agreed and said, you know, let us build some two cities um, to safeguard ourselves from the children of Esau because during that time there were wars between the children of Jacob and Esau. So they said they are coming. They might come to attack us. They created some sort of false story. And then they say, we need volunteers to come. And they speak to the Egyptians and tell them, we also want Egyptians to also come along. For the first few days, we are going to be paying these people a wage. So all of them came, including all the children of Israel, and they also came to work for Pharaoh. But the trick was, let them continue working. Let us start pulling out the children of Egypt while the Israelites continue to come in. And once the children of Egypt are out, and now only the Israelites are there, we stop paying them. And when we stop paying them, if they refuse to work, we now force them to work. And the beauty of this story, why it's important for, I'm now talking to people who love to study the Bible. You'll imagine that the spirit that led them in the first place to go and build those cities was an enmity that they had with their own brethren. They thought they were avenging against their own brethren. But number two, it also comes with something. When they are overworked, scientifically, they don't have enough time with their waves. So that means that they will not be able to multiply in number. You get the idea? That is why later Pharaoh is disturbed that in spite of their hard work, the Jewish women are still getting pregnant. That's why then he says, let us kill the kids to reduce the number. Let's kill every male Jew boy. Let's kill them. Let's keep the girls because once the girls grow, get married to the Egyptians, they automatically become Egyptian. That's why they were killed later on to reduce the number of males. You get it? Could there then be a correlation between childbirth and work? Are you following what I'm saying? Could there be a correlation between why now people are producing less children? Is it divine purpose or they are enslaved? 
Is it family planning? For some, it could be family planning. Others, no, it's not family planning. They ask, how will we look after the four? They're enslaved. They're enslaved. Because if the reason why you cannot have a child is because you don't know how to look after the next. And it's the only reason. Then it's a financial issue. That's why one of the signs of being enslaved is a spirit of limitation. You're limited on how much you can access resourcefully. That's how you know you're limited. Maybe let it be a choice. Let us choose to have three children. That's okay. Let us choose to have four children. That's okay. But it should never be a financial reason. If it is, you're enslaved. Now, somebody can cut this out and say, Apostle Grace is against family planning. Fire times four. That's not what I'm trying to say. Muslims are having more kids than you. Four wives, but they have faith. To educate all of them, Ismail, Muhammad, and Sharifa, all of them are going to go to school. For you, you can't believe for God to provide for your third born. Then you say, we are of faith. No, no. You speak those things in your bedroom. Yeah, you speak them when you're alone. Don't stumble us. Are you following what I'm saying? Spirit of limitation usually is a spirit of slavery. Remember when Pharaoh lets the children of God go? He tells them, go, but you will only go that far. Why? Because they're his slaves. Could give more and more signs. But forced labor is one of them. Whether you want it or not, 2023, there are people who are still being forced to do things beyond their own will and are being punished or threatened or penalized when they don't do certain things. They're in certain homes, they're in certain settings of community, and they're dealing with forced labor. The next one is debt bondage or bonded labor. The Americans, I think, have a word they call it peonage. Peonage. You can find that in Genesis 47 and in Nehemiah chapter 5. It happens when people give themselves into slavery as a security against a loan when they inherit a debt from a Sometimes in the inherited debt from a relative. We've seen even in scripture where, you know, a man dies, but he leaves a debt. And then the sons and daughters go to work in the farm of the man who lent their father money to pay off. But even in modern day, spiritually, I can tell you, like I said, some people are nursing debts. Like this debt bondage uh, definition from banks. But everything they make, is only to pay the bank. Spiritually, they are also under debt bondage. As well as there is that which, you know, is extended through families. Even in present day India, there are people who are still paying for, you know, uh, their uh, father's or grandfather's loans. Even in Pakistan, in some of those areas, you know, uh, kids work hard and pay off the loans that their parents accrued. But I want to talk about this kind of modern one where everything you're making is paying off a debt and that's all you live for. And eventually, when people get into those kinds of things, the value of their work is usually way bigger than what they are being paid because it's a debt and they have to pay that debt with somewhat interest. And abuse comes in, longer working hours come in, Violence comes in. Are you following what I'm saying? The other kind is domestic servitude. And some nations have that more than other nations. Praise the Lord Jesus. This is a circumstance where somebody is not free to leave their employment. They're not free. They're not free. I mean, somebody should be able to say, if I don't want to work, I don't want to work. Do you know how many kids are calling us from Dubai, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, and they're saying they took my passport. I'm not allowed to move out of this house. And some of them have faced many, many abuses. They're underpaid. They don't receive the benefits and protections that by law they're supposed to receive or they're supposed to be extended to. 
Some of them don't even have leave on their days. They say no leave, no nothing. Why? Because they are slaves. How do you get somebody's passport and keep it? Because they are working for you. But these kids come to us for prayer. Somebody says, Apostle, pray for me. I want to go to Dubai. Pray for me. Those of you who travel, see. Even Christian girls, all of them, they put on, you know, they cover their hair because it's a must. And they fly Dubai. Every day, hundreds of young girls and boys are going overseas. And many of them are going to be enslaved. Some of them watching me, they are the ones who go for prayer requests. That's why I told people, I stopped praying for people who want me to pray for them in general. You know, those people come and say, Apostle, pray for me. Then you tell them what? Then you say, you just pray. Ah, 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 ah. Hold your horses. I don't just pray. What if you're praying for the death of your co-wife? Ah, what do you want me to pray for? I want to go overseas. Where? UAE to do what? Be a house girl. I tell her that one. Look for a certain prophet or a certain pastor or a certain evangelist. I'm not going to pray that prayer. I can't pray a prayer to enslave you, domestic slaver. Uh, look for another apostle. There are apostles who can pray those prayers. Mine is not that one. I can't pray for you to go back. Uh, 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 uh. No, no. I tell them no. But there are people who are enslaved, not even outside their country, in their own country. There are people who are going through this that I'm speaking right now in their own workplaces. Am I against hard work? No. I'm a lover of hard work. I am a hard worker. But the Bible speaks of the labors of the righteous and the labors of the ungodly. The Bible says that the diligent labor in peace. But it says, but when a man has an evil spirit on them, they are forced into labor. There is something that controls even how they work. The systems that have been designed for you to be the way you are and where you are. Many of us are thinking is myopic. We're only short-sighted. In fact, many of you have made prayers to be enslaved. And it can only take God's grace and mercy for him to say no. Now you're angry. You're even adding another 40-day fast. Separating yourself because it must work. Pray until something happens. Push. Are you following what I'm saying? But there's a problem. Go back in Asian history, modern history, you're going to see that. Who do you think is the mother? Or what do you think is the mother of racial slavery? It's the same thing. Same systems that men have designed to keep humanity in slavery. And now they get onto our race. I don't know whether some of you have heard of what they call the curse of Canaan. Now the curse of Canaan is this whole idea that, you know, came especially from our colonial masters. In Europe, it was taught in churches. In America, it was taught in churches. In Britain, it was taught in churches. Unfortunately, they misconstrued scripture to serve their own interest. These men go to India. They test sugar. By the way, sugar is one of the commodities that is behind slave trade. Some of you should know. Sugar, sugar. When they tested sugar, everyone wanted sugar. They wanted it in their tea. They wanted it in their confectionaries. They wanted it everywhere. Even just to lick it, it's in their chocolates. Everywhere. But could they grow as much sugar as they needed? No. So what do you do? Let's go get slaves. But it's not right. We're Christian. No, no, no. There's something justifying this. And then they bring up Genesis chapter 9. If you remember the story of Noah, I'll tell you, take you back. Noah got drunk one day. He had three sons. Ham, Shem, and Japheth. And so, Ham sees his father naked and then he laughs at his father's nakedness. And then the two brothers, Shem and Japheth, come and lay a garment upon their father's shoulders and covered him. And so the scriptures tell us when Noah wakes up, he discovers that he had been what? Scoffed at by his son or scorned, laughed at by his son. 
And then Noah says in Genesis 9, 25, Cursed be Canaan. And he says, A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. If you read the message version, he will be a slave to slaves. A slave of slaves. You see? So they are saying that the descendants of Ham through Canaan, or actually they generally spoke that the descendants of Ham were to be slaves. The next verse says, Genesis 9.26, it says, Blessed be the Lord of Shem. And now they started a narrative that the Shemites are the present day children of Israel. And the few brothers which are Arabs. Are you following what I'm saying? And Canaan shall be his servant. Verses 27. And God shall enlarge Japheth, which now they say their descendants are the Europeans, the British, the Americans. And he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. So technically speaking, Canaan is a servant of Shem, and is a servant of. But now when they are teaching that in their churches, they would say, this is the seed of Ham, Hamites. Huh? Nilo Hamites, you understand? Which is the black people. You see what I'm saying? And so because it's the black people, technically speaking, they are ordained by God to be our slaves. So they put them on ships, separate their sons, from their mothers, their husbands, their wives, and then sail them into farms, growing corn and sugar and everything and in Georgia, South Carolina, all through they're enslaved. Even those who stay behind, the narrative convinces them that even you, your slaves, one day we shall pick you. This wonderful, interesting, let me use the word interesting, teacher comes in your nursery school, even after independence, and teaches us a very common song that all of us sang. And it used to go like, Slave, slave, slave in America, working day. Uh -huh. day. Somebody says, day and night, grocking. You see? Uh huh. Then they start, see my leg, which was broken, working. This is confession. So the teacher would call everyone out to show what they broke. Then they say, Peter, Peter, come. See my back. <laughs> working day. You see? 2023. Their children being taught to sing that song. Their sons of the slaves they took. And up to today, one random mind comes back in their nursery school and tells them, you're still slaves, sing it. Sing it. Sing it. 2023. 2023. Same doctrine. Same doctrine. That's what they used. That's why they justified. Even in the Jim Crow laws, blacks, the slaves, were not allowed to pray with their masters and families. So they pray from outside. There was a white congregation only. And they are calling on the Holy Spirit. They are calling on the power of God. 2023, Martin Luther's words still resound true. He said, America is most divided on Sunday morning. And that's true. Switch on your TBN. Switch on your God TV. Switch on your Desta. The white pastor has 99.9% .9 white congregation. And our black brothers have 99.9% .9 the black congregation. And one man told me, blacks attract blacks and white attracts white. I disagree. In Christ Jesus, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. I'm, I'm black. I'm black. 
but don't we have Americans in the church? Don't we have Irish people in the church? We do. Because the kingdom of God doesn't see color. Should not see color. When they become born again, and we become born again, we become one. There's no difference. We don't see that difference. We don't see it. We don't have it. But the world does. The world does. Now you look at the hundreds of years of slavery, and slavery is no more in the United States, but the minds are still bound. You find a black man who boxes for years and makes a million dollars and millions of dollars actually, and he puts these millions of dollars on a table. The money team. He's putting on a watch of six million dollars. Well, there's still women in another continent. His mother, his mothers, let me say, his mothers and fathers are still dying of poverty in Africa. And he can put on a six million dollar watch. He doesn't even know who he is. He lost his identity because it's been many and many years. They don't know who they are. So when you hear the violence and crimes on that nation, you know why. They don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. If they came back and saw who we were, they will realize that's not who they are. But they don't have an identity. They are born in survival mode. Some of you are interested to know, we root for a book called The New Jim Crow. The New Jim Crow. I think it's called The New Jim Crow. How even in the systems present, 2020 to 2023, there are systems that are still built to extend that racial discrimination presently. As I'm speaking right now, it has not changed. Look at Africa as a continent. How many years has Africa been liberated? Well, quite a number of nations have now independent and have been independent for 40, 50, 60 years, 70 years. Are they really independent? No. Our president the other day was speaking. And I cared to listen. And was speaking about the coffee issue. You know, they say the value of coffee in the world is $460 billion. That's the value of coffee in the world. And what are the oil producing nations or continents? Africa, Brazil, Colombia. So the biggest producers of coffee that is taken in the whole world. Uganda alone is number two, I believe, behind Ethiopia in Africa, isn't it? Top producer of coffee. But of that $460 billion that is made out of coffee on the earth, all the coffee producing countries, that is Brazil, Colombia, and Africa, all of them share only $25 billion. Only $25 billion. The rest is translated in Europe. Africa alone as a continent of that $460 billion makes only $2.5 billion. And Uganda makes only $800 million. Germany, which does not produce any coffee, makes $6.8 billion a year. Almost three times, about two to three times more than what Africa makes in coffee 2023 up to today you might move through Uganda and fail to find one company that makes spoons Congo DRC is the biggest producer of cobalt in the world about 73% of the cobalt produced on the face of the earth which makes your electric cars in China electric cars in America Elon Musk's cars and all these electric cars you move it, see moving on the road of the face of the earth Congo it's one of the most struggling nations in Africa. Yet they tell you by record that the wealth under Congo is equal. Congo alone, DRC, is equal to the wealth on the surface of the United States, which is the richest nation on the face of the earth. But enter Congo and see what's there. See how much havoc is on that nation and how much war is there. It's everywhere the blessing is. Was it Sierra Leone? It became blood diamonds. Nigeria and all these places, it became the old curse. Is it a curse in United Arab Emirates? No. 
descendants of Shem. Is oil a curse under the descendants of Shem? No. Is it a curse in Qatar? No. Is it a curse in UAE? No. But it's a curse when it comes to Africa. They taught the nations. They make sure they must stay poor. It's been long since they knew we had oil on this land. They know it. They know it. But by the time you're able to translate it, we shall have an alternative of either fuels, energy, whichever we can. Such as we won't need your oil. But they're sending grants every year. Let's go to coffee. If a kilo is still bought at Insuronko, the best, by the way, a kilo could go between $2.5, I think, to three. And this European translates it to $40 a kilo. If you want to empower Africa, do you give them aid for, you know, their headaches? Or you give them the equipment to be able to raise the value of that coffee from $2.5 of $3 a kilo to $40. That's economic empowerment. They're sovereign nations. They pass their laws, you say, we won't lend you money, which they are to pay actually. They are to pay. They don't want it for free. NATO comes in on an African nation. When there is an African Union, where these presidents can sit and agree on the matters of their state. And they say no. They go into Libya and kill the whole president. These are issues that our presidents would sit and say, brother, this is wrong. You see what I'm saying? But even they have no say. Because they have masters. These are hard sentences. These are hard sentences. 2023. There's a reason why the biggest percentage of the cars entering this nation are second-hand cars. The circumstances that have been pressed on these nations cannot allow them to live the life that a normal European person can live. Only South Africa, which is just kilometers away, black people of my own color. I have a longer visa of the United States than South African visa. UK can give me two years of a visa, but South Africa cannot give me more than 10 days of visa. And guess what? It could be among the top five. It's actually among the top five richest nations on the earth. Yet it has the highest unemployment rates, perhaps in the world, South Africa. So how is it that one of the richest nations, which even has a problem with me entering it, has the highest unemployment rate in the world? Where is the wealth distributed? Who told them that I'm their enemy? This color is their enemy. Who told them? You enter South Africa and the black man is treated worse than a white man is treated on that land. I've gone through it personally. I'm telling you my own experiences. Even they don't understand us now. They can't relate with us. Somebody drew boundaries between us because they wanted our resources. You're refusing a person to enter Europe but every wealth you have built on that nation was their gold and their diamond. But you can't let them in to come and visit a person and go back. Or even to be your slave. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying? These are hard facts. And let me tell you, maybe some of our governments don't even have the answers as they ought. Because some of the people who should be helping in these challenges are actually with Christian names enabling these things. Enabling these things. You go on YouTube and look at the videos of kids in cobalt mines in Congo, you'll cry. The cobalt they are getting is only going to give them food. The Chinese are going to put it on ships and fly it in their own countries and do make wealth out of it. Yet the kid in that cobalt mine cannot even afford school fees. Their health is at risk at a very early age. 2023. It's happening. And these places that have these resources, eventually you find war there. They have to be kept unstable. Because it's the only way we can continue working. Are you following what I'm saying? So, the Christian number one has to come out of Babylon. 
says, come ye out of Babylon, my people. He says, even though we are in this world, we are not of this world. We're not of this world. We're not of this world. Yes, maybe these are descendants of Ham, but if you study the Bible, you realize there was a time the Canaanites were taken captive by Israel and that prophecy was fulfilled in scripture. Oh, and by the way, Ham had more than one son. The Bible tells us he had Cush, Genesis 10 verse 6. He had Mizraim. He had Put. It's P-H-U, but it's pronounced as Put. And Canaan. Canaan was the last born. So when I told you I want to teach about the last born syndrome, I was going to get it from Genesis 10, 6. Why is the last born Canaan cursed? You understand? Eh? So there's something biblical I could help you understand why even many families are struggling with the last bones. Last bones, they're either the stubbornest or, or they struggle most. Well, it's not everybody. So it's not a general thing. But in most cases, last bones go through so much. The devil knows who they are. You understand? Because if Genesis says Canaan was the one which was cast, so what about the Cushites, the Mizraims and the Puts? Are they also cast? Well, if they're of black skin, when you're picking them as slaves, how do you separate Cush and Canaan's skin? You see how that doctrine dies, done? And like we said now, DNAs have been mixed. Recently, you watch television and they tell an American, white Caucasian fellow, they tell him, uh, you're 20% African, 30% Irish, 20% Italian, but they're all white. So when you're picking, you have to first do DNA. Now, back to what I was trying to tell us here. So, at every level, you find that it's not by mistake that today you go in Sironko and kids are learning, writing on the wall, on trees, on the floor. They are doing mathematics equations in Sironko district right now, on the floor. It's happening. In part, I'm saying we also have our issues because slavery also has existed even within our own tribal settings in, in Africa, here. You know? There's a tribe of a people at one particular point where even the king was not allowed to spit on the ground. They had to bring a slave to open their mouth so the king would spit. And some of you know it. You see what I'm saying? It has happened before. It has happened in different tribes. You follow what I'm saying? So it's not even a rest thing now. It even goes to our own people. Some of you even in your families, you're slaves to some of the people you're related to. Are you following what I'm saying? Because it's a spirit. It's a spirit. But there's a reason why you're putting on that second-hand shoe. Why a kid somewhere in Belgium has to first wear it before it finds its comfort in your foot. Then somebody says, I'm not under bondage. Mm -hmm. Nancy Combe. Nancy Combe. Nancy. Oh, they cut it short these days and they call her Nancy. You see what I'm saying? There's a reason why you are in that second-hand clothes. What is that system that could not allow you to put on a cloth firsthand? It exists somewhere. It exists somewhere. What they're tired of is what they give us. <laughs> what can't fit them or is old to them now becomes what your children wear for Christmas and birthdays. By those days have changed. I wish you guys were in our days. Christmas in our days was different. I don't know, 80 born 70s. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christmas in our days was different. Christmas was the day you dressed. These days, kids are in pyjamas the whole day. Me, I don't put on pyjamas on Christmas. I don't. I can't. Because me, the Christmas I remember. Oh my God. Then you put Vaseline on your face and you're like a mirror. <laughs> if somebody wants to check their face, they just need to look at your face. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, this is how the world is. And you're not going to change it tomorrow. Unfortunately. But you can change your level. 
you can change your status. You can upgrade by mentality. Otherwise, even our education systems, the ones that were left with us by the British in the 50s, they were preparing what? Slaves. That is why many of you can't find jobs. Because the jobs that fit you are not here anymore. If your colonial masters were here, those jobs would fit. Because they were producing for industry. You find a kid with a bachelor of business administration. Then you ask him, what is business administration? What does it even mean in your setting? When all the job advertisement says, must have working experience for three years. Everywhere they want a working experience. That means first volunteer. And it's okay to volunteer, by the way. But how many can? Huh. You understand what I'm saying? Now you have a big percentage unemployed doing nothing. And some of you even get, now they are blaming the church. They think we are the ones refusing you. Some people call me, my sister refused to work and she goes to Fanero. Abaluganda, let me be clear before camera. If your child has refused to work, it's their own demon spirit, not Fanero's spirit. I am a working man, yet I'm a pastor. All my pastors are working, yet they are pastors. And my leaders. So those of you who are refusing to work, because you're saying, but you're Fanero, aha, you're not ours. We are hardworking men. We are hardworking men. But I want to add that on the hard work, let us add blessing. Let us connect to spiritual patterns that will reward our labors so we don't look like slaves. It's okay to be servants, but not slaves. Are you following what I'm saying? It's okay to serve because we are anointed to serve. That's who we are, by the way. If any of you wants to be Great, he has to be. Yeah, but the point is, wherever purpose I'm serving on life, on the earth, the earth should be able to yield its substance on me way bigger than any man should be able to pay me. So that I don't go to work to make a living. I go to work because I live. Are you following what I'm saying? And then God communicates to me all that I need even beyond what they could ever pay me. That's a man who is free. That's a man who is free. So I want to pray with us. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Only by prayer can this thing change. And we have believed to see it change in our own generation. I believe this is why God is moving in Africa a certain way. He looks at the cry of his slaves. He sees his people weep. Like you remember how he had to send Moses? Say, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I believe revival and the progress of the gospel in Africa touch the liberation of the black man because you can't be the richest continent on the earth yet with the poorest people on the earth. All the gold is in Africa. The diamonds are in the top. Everything is in Africa. We are the richest continent, yet we have the poorest people. And only the gospel can change that. Only the gospel. Only the gospel. Now, speak to God. Speak to God for yourself. For yourself. For yourself. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has 
eyes runs on me and like a flood his mercy reigns and an amazing grace my chains are gone I've been set my God, my Savior has run so that as the Bible has said that you are not of this world even though you are in this world I pray that may God read you today from the spirits the systems the patterns the ways of slavery I decree and I declare that you walk in that freedom that every part of your life from today will reflect a man a woman who is truly free to live God's best. In Jesus' name I pray and believe the Lord and said. Hallelujah. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Now, if you're here and after hearing this sermon, your heart tells you, I feel I need to enter a relationship, an intimate relationship with the Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for me and you were raised for my glory. Today, I give you my heart. I take you as Lord and Savior of my life. I am born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.